Pull ahead. Blog Talk Radio. Turn the speakers off. Speakers are already unplugged. Okay. Okay, can you put a message up that they'll see on the text? That they'll see that we're working on technical difficulties. Plug mine in. See if that makes a difference. Hopefully the audio is working. Let's see here. Hang on. New audio device found. Okay.
This is Kate Watt Radio, and this is Patty Holstrand, and I sure hope we're live. I'm not certain whether or not the microphone's working because it's a new mic, so we'll just go with that as we can here, and let's see if I can uh, play with it in the background. This is the next space show with Al and Joe, and it's the 28th of September already. I don't know about you guys, but I think it's freaking... It's just freaking fast this year. I don't care who you talk to. I think we all said that. I don't care how old you are. So what does that mean? That means it must be really moving speed of light then. We just, cause even the kids are saying, wow, I didn't see that coming. So I'd like to mention before we get started that our call-in number is 714-242-5145. At seven one four two four two five one four five, and that's not what I need. Also, want to mention on the calendar, and also uh, obviously, who is our sponsors for tonight's show? We'd like to mention that uh, we have a couple things going on this, this month: Comic and Media Expo twenty fourteen. We've got that in Mesa. It's going to be the Mesa Convention Center on the 17th through the 19th. Yours truly will be there speaking. And also, uh, we'll have a table out there. And if we get the wheel in time, we'll be able to spin the wheel for prizes. Also, the Barnes & Noble Zombie Day, our good friend T.M. Williams, is going to be signing and autographing her book, The Apocalypse. Undead Winter. So get on out there on on Saturday, October 18th, to Barnes and Noble in in well, in Glendale, Metro Center, Barnes and Noble Metro Center for all your book needs. Also, also we have hits. Our good friends and on in November, FearCon. FearCon is going to be November 1st through the 2nd. So Saturday, uh, November 1st and 2nd. You're surely also be out there again. And yes, we will have our wheels for sure that by then. And we'll have prizes you guys spin for. All you do is sign up for a newsletter. And what, what that is is that you will get news in between the months that we actually put uh, the newspaper out. Oh, yes, and the newspaper's out this week. Woo-hoo! For those who have not been on Facebook and who are actually had their head in, oh, in the sand or in the clouds or wherever. So we're out. Um, we've got people already out uh, doing deliveries. Um, wait for the weeks. That way they can make deliveries in your side of town. Wherever you happen to be, I mean, take a look. Uh, try to find comic book shop, bookshop, uh, some co- uh, coffee shops, some uh, subways, some you know, uh, oh, just toy stop shops. You know, uh, come on, help me, comic book stores, all those fun places. Uh, definitely take a take a look and see what they have. If they don't have it, then let us know. Hey, my favorite store is such and such. 
doesn't carry your newspaper and then we'll gasp for air and we'll get on out there and find out if they usually have our newspaper why they didn't have it and if they don't have it then gosh darn it they should so let us know and we can definitely fulfill your desires to be have your newspaper close to you so with that are we <laughs> well, Al is just kind of, you know, here I already bought him time by, you know, not being able to get the sound system going, and now he's not quite ready, so let me look it up. Let me give I'm going to do. But, okay. So, um, yeah, I didn't get, didn't get us a, didn't get us a drink. So, I'm going to buy time here again. We need to get that going. Uh, um, I want to let you guys also know about something coming up. Some show coming up here on the KWAD radio. This Wednesday on October 1st, we will be talking to Garage FX Group. And at the tail end of that show, we'll also have our good friends at Comic and Media Expo talking about their guests that they're having and some special events that they're having uh, at Comic and Media Expo 2014. So, wow, Al's getting prepped. And uh, all things I'm going to talk about also on the 8th of October. And we will have a, well, our KWAD radio is going to have um, special guest Dave Beatty. He's a local artist extraordinaire. Uh, I've seen his stuff. It's awesome, awesome work. So it's an artist and local artist in town. And again, all of our shows on Wednesdays are, you know, other than, of course, the Hey Girl Show, starts at 5.30. Turn on the fan. 5.30, uh, and that's on the 8th. And then on the 15th of October, Wednesday, again at 5.30, we've got our Comic Media and Expo interview, and that's going to be an overall interview. Oh, yes, and on the 8th, we'll also have a tail end, also uh, any updates from Comic and Media Expo. And so on the 15th, that'll be actually just their show. So coming out there. And then on the 22nd of October at 5.30, we'll, we're going to head towards the FearCon episode and talk about all the stuff that they have going on out there for this year, October 22nd. It's going to be our FearCon episode. And, of course, then on the October 29th, Wednesday, it would be the Hate Girl show again. And that would be out at the Ice House Tavern again, you know, so that way we had the hockey pucks uh, shooting at us and hitting the walls during our during our show. It was kind of interesting. <laughs> you never know what's going to hit us, you know. Uh, so you guys want to come and see us out? Different things that we got going on. Uh, Mesa Second Friday on the 10th of October, we'll be out at Mesa. Um not at 4.30. 4.30 is when we set up, but starting at 6. So coming out, find out what's going on, and we're probably doing a show live now that we have ways to do that. We can have a show anywhere we want. So we'll come on out and uh, let us know about your business and some things that you, you know, your passions and things you got going on. Uh, again, that'd be October 10th. And that's Mesa Second Friday, right downtown Mesa. 
I don't know what else is going on. What is so many things going on? Hey, you know, literally October, November, and December are going to be a blur. You know, uh, I don't know about you, but this would be crazy, crazy talk. Wait, ready to talk? <laughs> I was finally ready, so you know what? I'm going to be checking this on the sound while he starts. So, welcome. It's been a turbulent couple of weeks. We were out. We were out last week, but this week we're back. And Al's birthday tomorrow. Oh, yeah. Like that's going to make a big difference. Okay, come on. Let's get on with business here. I got stuff to do here. I got stuff to do. Got to get stuff to talk about. Yeah. I mean, it's it's been a banner couple of weeks. I'll tell you what. Um, a lot's been going on. The 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 feathers are flying. Feathers are flying. Feathers are flying. I got to tell you. Um, is it? What do you I mean? Don't you got know See, this says this is on. Um, okay, hold on a second. Um, let's see here. We're going to do a very okay, brief. Okay, okay. So now this came up. I may not have had anything before this. All right. Well. Okay. So, if you guys just listening in and there was, like, nothing for 15 minutes, we're really sorry. We're trying to get the sound system working, and we have a new microphone, so hopefully that it took, um, <laughs> I thought I had the right setting. So, you know, what can you say? Keep talking for a minute. So, he, so he's trying to figure this out, but, hey. Um, oh, he's going to do a sound check. Yeah. Yeah, it's going. We're on. We're on. We're on. So now that you can probably hear us. We apologize for we that. Know we, can, we know that you can hear us. Yeah, without, yeah. Because I'm not sure whether or not you guys actually were listening to us anyway, but. The wonders of new digital technology. Ain't it wonderful? Oh, man. The, the, you know, I, I, I can remember. <laughs> Now, keep in mind, I'm showing my age here, especially coming up on my birthday. I can remember the days working in the office. Oh, yeah. When 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 we had those IBM Selectric typewriters were the top of the line. I mean, they were the best thing. Oh, Word yeah. processors started showing up. Man, they said our workload was going to go down and our productivity was going to go up. And I'll tell you what, I remember neither one of them happened. And they still haven't happened. Our work hours went up. Oh, yeah. <laughs> and they, we all got they, retrained. Then they fired the middle management and gave us all their work. Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. And then, oh, oh, and, and, and digital laser printers came in next. And I remember how they were going to save huge. paper. They were going to save paper. How would they do that? I have no idea. I, I don't even remember the sales Nobody ever pitch. promised me that, but they, they, yeah. they do say toner. Yeah. I mean, ink, you know. Oh, yeah. Gee, I did a cost analysis between yeah. jets and a laser, and holy mackerel, what a difference. Yeah, you pay a little bit more in capital costs. It should be on. Let me see that. Okay, you're playing with the tech. You can't be playing with the tech. you got to be leaving stuff alone. I didn't touch it. I swear. 
Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> so anyway, just in case. Little tiny cute things. Doesn't touch a little I, I, tiny I, I cute thing. I said, thing. oh, what is this? Yeah. All right. Well, anyway, anyway so, we so let's so just in case you've been mute for 15 minutes. Uh, I'll go back and at the end and and say everything. Are you getting any sound activity over there on your board? You can't tell. You can't tell them. That. No. No. That's all. Sure. I'm sure. Oh. Okay. New technology, so, I tell you what, all this digital technology. You know, I remember. All these just, buttons are pushing okay, in, and you tell you me not to push in. Here's another thing. When <laughs> when the government dictated, I'm sure by virtue of all the lobbying of the television companies, that we should go from analog TV signals to digital TV signals, they had just worked out all the details on the analog signal. We were getting steady analog signals. Even in the worst of storms, you could get a TV show. Nowadays, Holy mackerel, a semi-trailer. You move in a room and all of a sudden. No, a semi-trailer drives by and your TV signal goes out. Yeah. I mean, gee. Even worse, your cat walks across the table. Oh, there you go. Yeah, the static electricity fries the, the reader. <laughs> all right, anyway. So, anyway, seven, tech, so the call-in number. Okay, call-in number. 714-242-5145, and this is KWOD Radio. This is Patty Holstrand, and we are at, or we are on the next Space. space. Talking about space. Yeah. If you didn't figure that out, we're talking about space. space. Manned space flight news. Not space in your closet. Not space in your closet. Not space in your boat. Not space in your brain. Yeah. Or wherever. Although, it would be cool <laughs> to talk about one of my little designs for a personal space orbital spacecraft. That would be kind of fun. I mean, here's this. Just take the idea of a jet ski. Everybody's seen a jet ski. Yeah. And swap out the gas engine for a rocket engine. Haul this thing that up into be, orbit. Oh my God. And let's have some let's have some personal space ski races. You know, my mom is a she's a drag racer on those things. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. I tried to keep up with her one down a lake. <laughs> she's older than I am. <laughs> Holy mackerel, no. that woman. I would hope so against the pinky of my mom, yeah. All right. I talked about feathers flying here a little bit ago. Yeah. We're gonna we're gonna hit right off of the top. You know we know that the announcement was made all over the news that uh, NASA oh. had finalized its contract agreements and decided to pick uh, no surprise here SpaceX and Boeing. Damn so boy. the SpaceX Falcon 9 and I mean, Dragon. Two and, opposites, don't you think? Well, they are. They well, yes and no. I mean, when you look at Sierra Nevada's space plane design, theirs is actually more of an opposite to the capsule design of both Boeing and SpaceX. Um, both both crafts, the capsules and um, the Sierra Nevada, are both reusable. They both launch off of a larger booster. Um, they both carry seven pa seven personnel. They both can carry cargo. So there's there's a lot of things that are good about. So we're starting. Oh, the dent. Yeah, we're starting right at the top. So the legal design, legal challenge, is filed by Dream Chaser uh, versus Boeing and SpaceX decision. Now keep in mind, Sierra Nevada is filing this against not SpaceX or Boeing, but they're filing against NASA's decision to exclude Sierra Nevada. Now I got to tell you, wow. as a space geek, I think surely NASA could have figured out a way to distribute the contracts to all three companies and thus generate a situation of not only competition between two same type of vendors, but also formulate this multi-tech 
competition. I think it would have made a lot more sense. But the developer of the Dream Chaser, Sierra Nevada Corporation, has filed a legal NASA, challenge. I'm not NASA. Probably a good thing. Uh, to the award of contracts of, to Boeing and SpaceX under NASA's commercial crew. Now, their filing seeks a further detailed review and evaluation of the submitted proposals and capabilities. SNC believes the result of further evaluation of the proposals submitted, quote, will be that America ends up with a more capable vehicle at a much lower cost with a robust and sustainable future Unquote. Now, they don't specify here that they think they should be in there. They just think there needs to be a review. Now, of course, I'm sure they're hoping that they get included. Of course. I would. Yeah. You know, you got to vote for yourself. Uh, otherwise, why, why make the castle, you know? Exactly. Exactly. Why raise the sink if you don't want to smell it? Well, and, you know, this, <laughs> this kind of harkens a little bit to what uh, SpaceX did earlier in the year in challenging the very bidding process for the Air Force contracts for uh, U.S. secret launch programs. Well, you've got to keep that government, you know, under check. That's what we're you here. you got to kick them in the tuckus. We are time. here for that. You'll never get them honest, much less keeping them honest. No, There's just no such not. thing. It's government and honesty never mix. No. But anyway. All right. What are we talking about Now we're talking about a little bit of future news here, but um, those of us in the space geekdom area uh, are aware of United Launch Alliance and their preparations to get their Orion capsule up on and, and launched. Um, what did you do? I can't do anything. We're, why are we on hold? We, oh, we're, that's, we're on that's hold. a listener on that's hold. That's a listener on That's hold. a listener. Welcome, listener. Well, yeah, they're not on yet. Well, okay. Oh, you're going to have to put that on there. Yeah. Oh, yeah, I guess I will. <laughs> All right. Yeah, we have a listener. It's we have. Yeah, go ahead. Welcome, listener. Oh. Well, hello, everybody. This is Chad out of New York. How are you tonight? I'm doing well. I was wondering where that 585 area code was from. Welcome. Well, what do, well, thank you very much. What, what do I know you? Don't know. <laughs> um, we are talking man space flight news. Uh, have you listened to our okay. show before? Well, it sounds like you guys are Cosmo enthusiasts, and I like that. I happen to love the cosmos. I'm a, I'm a born-again Christian. I love looking at God's beauty. And um, I'm calling because I... I uh, I think it's very, very important that we talk about the origins of this beauty, uh, the very thing that you guys are absolutely uh, thrilled with. And I'm glad. Well, I'm that glad would be people great, are. But I, I am going to caution you. We are talking about manned spaceflight news tonight. Um, and, okay. and every night we talk about the act, the news, the news things that come across the wire. We do have a limited time frame, so we don't get much into the commentary on. Uh, religious or philosophical grounds, so we try and stay on on track with the news of the technology development mm. and the milestone development that each of the various different companies in NASA are following. Well, that's great. Uh, did you have comments or thoughts about uh, any of those parts of our topic tonight? No, I just wanted to. Um, well, I want to talk about why there's anything to begin with. You know why that we're able would, to even travel and to examine the stars and the planets and to, that would be and, and send man into space. 
Um, that would be something for another show. Um, we're actually trying. We've got a long list of uh, news items to post for our listeners. We, uh, we're very grateful for your uh, listening, and we look forward to hearing from you when you uh, wish to share and talk with us about news items about what we're doing. Thanks for calling, and I wish you well. Okay, great. Thank you. Okay, folks, back to our news track. Here we go. Next item up. Rocket is coming together. We were talking about NASA's Orion capsule. Uh, they're expecting to launch uh, the 1st of December for their very first test flight. We're hoping to wish them well. The hardware for exploration flight test one coming together well of NASA's fleet systems integration branch of the launch services program. She sent a statement on September 26th. We haven't had to deal with any serious problems. And all of the advanced planning appears to be paying off. And that's an awesome thing. We definitely want to see these organizations uh, bring their uh, projects to fruition to meet their milestones so that we can start seeing people in space. Yay! You know, that's what we want to see. NASA, next item. NASA calls for proposals for second round of contracts. Now, after they awarded the contracts to Boeing and SpaceX to ferry astronauts to the ISS, now they've called for the next round of contracts for the private sector companies to deliver experiments and supplies to the orbiting laboratory. Now, keep in mind, over the last year or so, both SpaceX and um, Boeing, no, not Boeing, yeah, Boeing, have been delivering um, cargo to the ISS via the Dragon. Now my mind is drawing a blank. Oh, here I am. Oh, okay. Mr. Expert's drawing a blank. Okay. <laughs> we got trouble. Oh, well. All right. That's that new digital Talk technology. Digital that's, technology. Gotta get, get that's, you, that's my brain out. implant is short circuit. Oh. exactly what it is. Oh, my gosh. I forgot to plug the micro USB in. That's the analog. In. No, I forgot to plug the micro USB into the back of my neck. Oh. You remember Johnny Mnemonic? Yes, yeah. Mnemonic. Mnemonic. Yeah. I just thought that was... You know, yeah. Yeah, the meme collapsed in the back of my neck. All right. Okay. But anyway, they've been doing cargo shipments. They've got a handful left to perform. Now they're wanting the companies to deliver new contracts to NASA for another set of between I think it's I believe it's like six new con new uh, trips each time. The agency intends to award contracts to one or more companies for six or more flights per contract. So that means both companies currently sending cargo up could actually get contracts for six flights, which could be exciting. As with the current resupply flights, these missions would launch from U.S. spaceports, and contracted services would include logistical and research cargo delivery and return to and from the space station through fiscal year 2020 with the option to purchase additional launches through 2024. Earlier this year, the administration decided to extend the life of the space station until at least 2024, and I remember part of the conversation about that. Um, because there was there was a big hubbub over that one. So, uh, moving on into the international community, uh, private companies want to mine asteroids for fuel. Now what? this I I, I I thought this was an interesting article because it's not the traditional articles that I've seen before about asteroid hunting. Typically, in most articles that I've seen today, the talk about Grabbing an asteroid, they're talking about mining for minerals, right. platinum, hydrogen-3, or helium-3, uh, titanium, yeah. aluminum, all these metals, and hauling it back down here to Earth. 
Well, that just doesn't make economic sense. Because you're spending so much in capital investment to get your equipment up there, yeah. and then you can send this stuff back down to Earth? I don't think so. Plus, there's a risk of it being damaged on the way down. You might as well just aim the daggone asteroid back to the Earth and have it land uh, somewhere in the middle of the Rocky Mountains where it won't hurt nobody, and you know, then start mining it on Earth. It's Mind a heck of a lot cheaper. Content. There you go. But anyway, what these guys are doing um, is they want to build filling stations in space. A bill now in front of the U.S. Oh, Congress yeah. would help by allowing them to own what they discover, but it might, if passed, meet stiff international opposition. Quote, there's an amazing amount of frozen water at the polar regions of the moon, Lopez, Algeria, adds. The moon is easier to get to than an asteroid. It's right next door, and it's much easier to communicate with robot or people there. Now, unfortunately, the strict legislation, and well, it's not all that strict, but the legislation of the form in the 1966 United States Outer Space Treaty, the Space Treaty, the Space Treaty, the Space Treaty, already prohibits national appropriation of space resources, resources, basically mining the moon is legally off limits. Now, okay, that's our story. It's an interesting read. Check it out. The link's on the page. Yeah. But here's the kicker. Oh, we're going to save that for commentary, aren't we? We're going to come back to this on commentary because I really want to talk about this. Yeah. The kicker is... Mining, off, mining the moon is legally off limits is not true. Okay. The space treaty specifically forbid, forbids governments from getting involved. So we're going to be talking about that in our commentary section. <laughs> All right. Dang Keep it women. Going. Keep it going. These stinking women just always getting away. Oh, whoa, we got an article about a woman here. Not a woman's profession, quote, unquote. Elena Sorova. Oh, sounds like... Titan words. You're talking about fur flying. Well, yeah, that's why I see the feathers are flying tonight. Wow. You ready for this? Check this out. You'll like this. Elena Sarova overcame more than the rigors of cosmonaut training to reach space from today's conservative Russia. This is a Russian woman getting to space. Russian woman woman's is Russian preparing. Woman's already been in space. Well, yeah, but listen, listen, listen. Here we go. She is preparing to break a stratospheric class ceiling on Thursday by blasting into orbit, which she did aboard the Soyuz spacecraft from Kazakhstan. Elena is 38 and will travel to the ISS for a five-and-a-half-month-long mission, along with the Russian colleague Alexander, I don't even know how to say that, and NASA astronaut <laughs> Butch Wilmore. So now, while she isn't the first Russian woman in space, That's for sure. her feet should be considered historic. She will be just the fourth Russian female to go into orbit in more than five decades, of human spaceflight, during which more than a hundred male cosmonauts have made the trip. And given the current social climate in Russia, Sarova's road to space may have been rockier than any of her female predecessors. <laughs> okay. Okay. All right. Private space. New space. All part of the next space. Yeah. <laughs> we start off the docket with SpaceX demolishes the SLC 4W Titan pad. This is a video link. The Mobile Service Tower, Vandenberg's Air Force Space Launch Complex for West. Now, this was the last intact Titan rocket pad in the world. and was demolished on September 18th to make way for a landing pad for SpaceX Falcon Rocks. Now, now you gotta, you got to listen carefully there, folks. This is to make way for a landing pad. This is not a launch pad. This is a landing pad. Which, of course, has never been done before. That's right. 
this is this is going to be exciting. Exciting. As this comes into play, and I know there's been a lot next of next big thing. Well, there's been a lot of speculation in the last couple of weeks. Uh, actually, the last month, the SpaceX has been gearing up for this next uh, booster recovery test, mm -hmm. uh, which, as of last night, I hadn't seen anything on the web about their last booster uh, and whether they had attempted to do any further tests. But we'll find that out probably in the coming days or week. Now, in addition, Sierra Nevada Space Systems, with the new contract that they didn't get, um, they've now laid off... Um, about 90 employees from the Dream Chaser program after having lost the high-profile NASA contract bid. And, of course, we know from an earlier post this night that they are actually um, filing a protest with NASA uh, regarding that contract decision. Moving on, Dream, Dream, Dream Chaser also released a new video of uh, their concept of operations. The Corporation Space Systems is pleased to announce that they have been awarded a $212.5 million as part of NASA's Commercial Crew Capability Program. This award will allow the program to continue to make great strides, blah, 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 we know the rest. We want to express our appreciation uh, in support of our efforts, and to celebrate the award, NCC is, for now, is pleased to release a new Dream Chaser Space System Concept of Operations video which illustrates the primary mission of delivering crew and critical cargo to and from the ISS. And one of the things that I noticed about Sierra Nevada is that when the contract was announced this week, Sierra Nevada made it very clear that despite the loss of the contract point, they were going to continue their development. They're close enough that they could actually fly private customers to either the ISS or a private space station if it were in place. Okay, cool. So they're still planning to move like forward. Like a man and Yeah. Well, kind of, sort of. <laughs> kind of, sort of. You know, like, you want one play with us? We're just going to go take our ball and go home. <laughs> we're going to take our ball and we're going to just go play better. Yes. We're just going to go to the park next door. That's the heck right. with you guys. The heck with you guys. All right. <laughs> uh, so next up, um, the fourth dragon Commercial resupply services arise at the space station. Launched earlier this week, um, the Dragon cargo ship was maneuvered by ground controllers operating the robotic arm for installation onto the Earth spacing port of the Harmony module at 921 the other day. Now, later, the crew successfully opened the Dragon hatch and ingressed the vehicle. Um, so they're running a good bit ahead of schedule, which is kind of cool. Anytime the government, anytime government employees get to do anything ahead of schedule, yeah, that's cool. Tricky, amazing. That is absolutely <laughs> freaking amazing. Okay, coming from Space Notebook. Space Notebook. This past week, Texas celebrated winning the SpaceX launch pad. Yeah. Woohoo! All right. Now, in in uh, it feels like the future, said the front page of the Monitor, quoting SpaceX. CEO Elon Musk after he and Texas Governor Rick Perry broke ground last Monday on the world's first commercial orbital launch complex. Now, for those of you saying it's not the first orbital complex completed because Space America was built in New Mexico, that is a suborbital launch complex, not intended for orbital launches. It does not have uh, the infrastructure to support orbital launches. So this is the first private commercial launch facility to be built 
as far as we know. As far as we know. As far as we know. Um, and the kicker is, is I, I, re I remember the articles were flying fur this week, um, talking about all the different places that were trying to offer incentives and all sorts of stuff to SpaceX to convince them to build their launch site and their various different cities. But, okay, Texas 1, Boca Chica Beach on the Gulf Coast, which is going to be cool because now they've got a Gulf launch facility, which could mean they may not need NASA's Pad 39A. Although, if SpaceX lives up to its goals, um, they will probably need both launch facilities. They are wanting to generate, at, at a minimum, a launch a month, and probably twice that. I think I remember reading that their goals are to actually have a launch every other week or, or more often if it is possible. So, this is exciting times, exciting times. In related technology, spacesuits of the future may resemble a streamlined second skin. For future astronauts, the process of suiting up may go something like this. Instead of climbing into a conventional, bulky, gas-pressurized suit, an astronaut may don a lightweight, stretchy garment lined with tiny muscle-like coils. You would then plug into a spaceship's power supply, triggering the coils to contract and essentially shrink-wrap the garment around your body. The skin-tight, pressurized suit would not only support the astronaut, but give you much more freedom to move during planetary exploration. To take the suit off, just have to apply modest force, returning the suit to its looser form. Now, this particular suit is a variation on the bio suit by Dava. Oh, I can't remember her name. We talked. We've That's talked not about. Not been a redhead. No, no, it wasn't a redhead. But. Um, I've seen this suit many times. Check out the article. There are links to uh, the biosuit and to Dava and her team. They are making some phenomenal progress and offering some really great insights into what it's what some of the new spacesuits could be like. Blast off! NASA is going to try and teach kids stuff about rockets. Oh, really? Okay. NASA's latest app for phones is an educational project aimed at teaching kids all about uh, rocket launches. What about Virgin Galactic and the Grey Goose? Oh, we'll come back to that. <laughs> I want to be able to talk straight about the kids before talking about liquor. Okay. Now, we did that before, and then I Sorry, talked guys. about the liquor first, I and then I got messed flipping, up. Flipping the links That's there. all right. Okay. The agency's launch services program released the new free app called LSP Activity Book. Wouldn't you know they'd stick a government acronym in there, huh? Of course. All right. I think Available. the whole department does that. Yeah, I know, I know. Anyway, available for iPad and Android users, kids can learn about the mission planning process and precise measurements behind creating the right kind of launch vehicle. Character named Peter the Payload guides kids through the activity book that includes a series of 24 pictures to color Word searches, mazes, crossword, matching games, includes a no-bake moon cookie recipe, and the activity book is available for iPhone, Google Play, and as an online coloring book that can be printed out. So kids, have at it. Have at it. This, this, this could be an interesting time. Vodka and space travel. Virgin Galactic. 
Virgin Galactic teams up with Grey Goose. British billionaire Sir Richard Branson, the founder of Virgin Galactic, announced this week that Grey Goose is now a corporate sponsor for his commercial space line, promising that the exclusive vodka manufacturer will enrich an already exciting experience for private space travelers. That's actually funny, thinking about it. Uh-huh. Virgin Galactic <laughs> has more than 700 reservations for future passengers, a list that includes such celebrities as Lady Gaga, Stephen Hawking, and Angelina Jolie, who have paid as much as 250 grand each for a ride on Spaceship Two. Now, these participants will get to toast a new era of space travel with exceptional signature cocktails, Virgin Galactic representatives wrote in a statement. Gives whole new meaning to and, the sixty. Uh, uh, gives whole new meaning to the sixty mile high club. <laughs> hey, you know what? I I'll know. bet somebody smuggles. I'll bet somebody smuggles some pop, pop, uh, pot up there. I'm talking about getting high on getting high. <laughs> and and for those you know, for those people who like that kind of thing, yeah. we don't say nothing. I'm not saying nothing. Incoming news. <laughs> All right, up and coming stuff. Up and coming stuff. Oil sand taxes are hoping to pay for molten salt reactor development. Terrestrial Energy Inc. was founded in late 2012 and is domiciled in Ontario, Canada. Its mission is to commercialize its patent pending molten salt reactor tech in Canada. The company has been formed around Dr. David LeBlanc and his intellectual property portfolio. Dr. LeBlanc is the internationally recognized expert on molten salt reactor technology. Now, he is going to develop the Integral Molten Salt Reactor, or IMSR. The goal is to commercialize the terrestrial reactor by 2021. They have oil sand partners, and there's actually two links here yeah, that I traced okay. out. So check those out. Some interesting reading. Uh, sadly, we are still looking at, uh, at almost 2021 before they, they expect to realize any real progress. So it'll be interesting seeing how things play out. Opportunities to participate. We talk about this each time on the show. Um, the Mars Society has several opportunities. The MDRS field season Mars rover competition was held this last summer. They also have, we have some links here for uh, different things. To get involved in, check out the Mars Initiative. And, of course, Celestial Suds has been selling their Planets beer series. Uh, we're now in September, so we expect the second beer in their series of uh, special seven uh, brews to be coming out, if not already. Where are the pretzels? Where are the pretzels? Well, no, they're space pretzels. They're light as a feather. <laughs> They float all the way down it's to your gut. All the way down to your gut. There you go. There you go. There you go. All right. Time for our break, folks. When we come back, um, we're going to be talking about some of the legal issues and some of the legal challenges with the perspective of me, who is a strong idea based on homesteading. And I got some real hard questions for all these people who think government should be involved beyond the borders of our atmosphere. So stick around. We'll be back in a few minutes after a, a, a cold drink and a brewski. <laughs> or somebody's. And maybe a sniff or two on something sweet to uh, recharge our gullet. So this is Al. And this is Joe. Back in a few.
Come on.
because I couldn't say anything beginning and we were busy trying to fix everything. This is Gateway Radio. This is Patty Oldtrams. And you are listening to the next phase. I know. You're happy to be here. It's Sunday! With Al and Joe. Welcome back, folks. This is the second half of our show, and tonight, um, more so than than the last ones, we're actually going to take some time for our commentary and discussion. Our call-in number is 714-242-5145. Again, we're talking about um, news and issues that relate to manned space flight, um, and this revolves around the technology, it revolves around the legalities, it revolves around the technology of what it will take to put people in space. And and keep in mind, I use the word people, not persons, not seven or three or astronauts. I, I, I said people. Now, one, like you and me, like, like you and me, um, I use as, as as my foundation of understanding the manner in which three rather substantial migrations that occurred over the history of the world, uh, particularly in the in the last oh, three four hundred years, um, actually a little bit longer. When you look at the migrations that occurred from Europe once the New World was opened up in the 1600s, and how people came to the Americas. And by Americas, I mean both the North and South America. Uh, And colonies were established and grew. It was not an easy thing to do in those days, uh, any more than it is to do today for us to try and get to the moon or or Mars or an asteroid, whatever it may be. And people die. Um, in, In the migration from Europe and in today in the 16 through the 1700s, nearly two thirds of the people that set out to come to the New World, be it North or South America, Central America, whatever it was, um, nearly two-thirds of them died either en route or as a result of the challenges when they got here. Two-thirds is quite a few. Pioneering is, is not an easy thing to do. No. Now, in those days, one of the assumptions that was made was that Whichever country you departed from was the country under which the laws and and policies and regulations you lived under uh, until such time as something changed. And over the course of American history, that has changed several times. But basically, the laws that were defined uh, under the King of, e- King of England, the monarchy of Spain and France... Um, pretty much lent the structure and the guidelines for society as it was established on this continent. Now, when the United States in the mid-1800s opened up the Western territories for colonization by the citizens of the colonies, they also made the assumption that as people traversed westward, they would carry with them the laws and society guidelines that 
under while under the while east of the Mississippi. And so too did those who went to Australia from the British colonies, albeit first as prisoners to a penal colony and later on as uh, homesteaders and settlers to take advantage of the land that was there. And so with that in mind, we look at what happened in those historical guidelines. Well, probably the biggest thing is both the United States or what was the New World and what was also Australia uh, before its, in its colonial days, uh, threw off that yoke of society and, and legal, legal rules and decided to yoke forge the yoke of the yoke of former government. We'll call it that, not the yoke of society, because they still had a society. But then they chose to throw off the yoke of, of British rule, yes. or Spanish, as the case may be for South America, mm -hmm. or the Dutch, or whatever the case may be, uh, perhaps for the Caribbean. Now, here we have, in our day, the uh, United States and, and many of the nations around the world have adopted in 1967 um, the um, Treaty on Principles Governing the Activities of States in the Exploration and Use of Outer Space, including the Moon and other celestial bodies. And of course, it's basically called the Outer Space Treaty. Now, good thing you try for anachronism. Oh, heaven forbid. <laughs> anyway, now, basically what this thing says is it makes several specific points. The first, of course, is the exploration and use of outer space shall be carried on for the benefit and in the interest of all mankind. Well, when has that never happened? I mean, yeah, people go forward. They, they came to this country in the interest of mankind, or at least in the interest of men. Yeah, women were No, women weren't allowed. Women didn't vote. They didn't have much say except in the home. Mm -hmm. Of course, I gave a lot of pull elsewhere. <laughs> you know, get your man into control, you control the world, right? Okay. Second, was outer space and celestial bodies are free for exploration and use by all states. Outer space and celestial bodies are not subject to national appropriation. This is an important point we're going to come to later. No weapons of mass destruction are permitted in outer space. Okay. The moon and other celestial bodies shall be used exclusively for peaceful purposes. Okay. States <laughs> shall be responsible for their national activities in outer space, whether carried on by governmental or non-governmental entities. Okay. That one's scary. Well, I don't know. I thought the weapons of mass destruction thing was kind of scary because I don't think they understand what that is, considering... But uh, well, our pre past presidents didn't seem to know what that was. Well, oh well, we'll, we'll come back to that. <laughs> the activities, okay, so states it's shall be responsible space. for their national activities in outer space, whether carried on by governmental or non-governmental entities, which means private entities. Well, kind of awkward considering that the private in industries actually are the ones actually getting us up there. That's true. That's very true. The activities of non-governmental entities in outer space shall require the authorization and continuing supervision by the appropriate state. 
states shall retain jurisdiction and control over their space objects and any personnel thereon. Mm. States shall be liable for damage caused by their space objects and states shall avoid the harmful contamination of outer space. Notice they said harmful contamination. <laughs> Putting people in outer space, that's harmful contamination right there. I know. I got to tell you, we are the most polluting, prolific species on the planet. But anyway, we'll come back to that one later. I would hope now, they're then, most prolific. In <laughs> 1968... <laughs> They, tried, they, they then created an agreement on the rescue of astronauts, the return of astronauts, and the return of objects launched into outer space. In 72, the Convention on International Liability for Damage Caused by Space Objects, basically because apparently some satellite or its power source fell on a house somewhere. Apparently Probably. injured somebody, yeah. In 1975, they created the Convention on Registration of Objects Launched into Outer Space, and in 79, the agreement governing the activities of the states on the moon and other celestial bodies, which is now considered dormant because it has not been ratified by any of the major space powers. Now, so, there is a couple things to remember in, what was it, 19... We're out live here, guys, so... In 1979... China wasn't considered a, a space power, nor was India. No. Okay. So that means things changed. Things have changed. So we climate now have. Changed. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Space so, climate has changed. That's right. Now, in addition to the space treaties, the UN General Assembly has adopted several resolutions that are generally followed by the international community on a non-binding basis. Non-binding. Yeah. And, and mostly this is how they handle ast uh, uh, artificial satellites. It's relating to the remote sensing of the Earth from outer space, principal relevance to nuclear power sources, and the Declaration on Inter International Cooperation and Exploration Use of Outer Space for the benefit and in the interest of all states. Now, one of the things that I, first of all, i got to take exception to here. Okay, this bit about talk about states is bogus. It's political bullshit. It is all political bullshit because I got to tell you, the very first thing that comes to my mind is what is any state or group of states going to do to enforce their will upon any person or persons engaged in the activities in space? Like, come and get me, people. Well, there is that. But you know, after how some serious... Well, now, no, wait a minute. Hold on a second here. I, I figured out how. How does the mob enforce anything? Well, they kill some family. They kill some family. <laughs> and I swear, I never said that. Okay. <laughs> the mob knows that you don't go after the person who owes you money because then you lose your money, right? Makes well, perfect sense. Well, they don't have it. Well, or they don't have it. But at least you get payments. You still get payments as long as they're alive, as long as they're capable of working. Yeah, you, you can collect a few fingers and toes here and there. But here's the thing. States based in their government houses upon the earth cannot physically enforce anything beyond the boundaries of the atmosphere. They just can't. They don't have any way of 
of reacting fast enough to enforce anything in the outer atmosphere or in orbit. Now, but here's the thing what they do have. Let's say Bigelow builds his um, space hotel, and he starts getting tourists up there on a regular basis. Well, say he doesn't, say they find a roach in his kitchen. Can the health department shut him down? You bet they can. Do you know how they shut him down? They stop the flow of money on Earth. If the money don't flow on Earth, there's no supply launches. No supply launches. They're pretty much dead in the water. Okay? Mm -hmm. But in reality, this is the only way that any government on that's Earth... That's pretty expensive roach. There you go. There you go. <laughs> but that's the thing to think about here. The only way that any state or group of states can enforce any behavior beyond the boundaries of the atmosphere is by attaching something terrestrial. Your ass, money. your money, money, your facilities, your people your on family. Earth, your family. your family. Yeah, all of those assets or resources that exist on the ground on the planet. Now, but let me ask you this. Oh, my you gosh, get, that's a whole new movie. I mean, can you imagine a story about that? It could be interesting. I can you, see. You really got stop doing that thing. I, I I can see a a a Sylvester Stallone guy on the video phone from the moon. Telling guy, we're coming after you. No no no, and he's saying, "You want me? You want me? You come get me. You come get me." Actually, I think that's more of a. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, I was thinking about. Anyway, but the point is. If you're going to enforce something, let's 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 paint a picture here. You send a hundred miners to the moon. When they get there, if you've done your job right, you're not sending supplies every month. They've got people that are doing their own farming, they're doing their own manufacturing, they're repairing the tools they've got. They don't have specific ties to Earth other than for luxuries that they may or may not get that they order from Earth on the supply ships. Now, if that colony, if that settlement, that mining community... See the embargo there, man. Yeah. If they are reasonably self-sufficient, what hold does the Earth have on those people? Nada. If they decide to declare independence... Like America did. Like America did. Like Australia did. Like any number of countries in the Western Hemisphere did. Whole new meaning to Boston Tea Party. It is. <laughs> only when we th only when the moon throws stuff overboard, it's going to come down on us. <laughs> yeah. Talking about suns and fans. Something hitting the fans. Mm -hmm. So yeah. So another so, word you're saying is there really is no space sheriffs. No, and and honestly, cool. and and realistically, cool well, you know, I, I remember <laughs> there was a show called Brave Star. Do you remember that rocket-powered horse with a sheriff on some planet? I can't. It was a that. it was a bit of a hokey cartoon, but I was running oh, the channel cartoon. one star. Yeah, okay. it was a cartoon, it was an animated cartoon. Brave Star was the sheriff. He had this rocket-powered mechanical horse, and boy, he could just. Yeah, all over that planet. Okay. But here's the thing. <laughs> Even if we put a sheriff on one of my little space skis, all right, 
sidekick. And he's got fuel enough to get around where he needs to get along. Yeah. Um, The reality is that enforcement of policies and legalities in space is going to be tough. You're going to have to have a representative on site who has not only authority but resources to enforce things. And i got to tell you. Or they can just be badass. Well, they can be badass. Sean Connery in Outland, he was pretty badass. Yeah, he was. He didn't take no crap. He didn't take no crap, nothing. He just he got the job done. Yeah. And when the big, and, and you know, that show right there I should, is. I think that's a good, good movie idea. That, that film mm-hmm. illustrates a lot of what I'm talking about. Yeah. He was the lone representative on that outpost. Yeah. And his job was to clean up that outpost for the corporation. But whether it's a corporation or whether it's a, a state doesn't matter. When and then he found that the corporation was just as dirty as everybody else. Right. Actually now, more so. Exactly. Now, here's the thing. Companies are talking in the news and, and, and are doing research and they're lobbying for legislation, at least in the United States, I, I have no doubt there are companies trying to uh, lobby this in other countries as well. But here's the thing. The practicality, the business case for mining resources in space and then sending those resources back to Earth when you have an established market, when the cost of generating revenue from those resources is pretty much set by the available resources here and recycling is getting better. Um, The capital outlay alone for ore unprocessed to be returned to Earth, much less processing it in space. That's a whole new bollywick. That's a lot of money. That's a lot of money. More than any even multiple corporations are going to be able to bring to bear to make happen just in, in, in 10 or 20 years. That's just I, I don't see it happening. What I do see happening is people going and doing what we did three times before. When you look at the pilgrims, when you look at the move west in the U.S., when you look at uh, the move to colonize Australia, first granted by a penal colony, but you had to have support people, and they created the environment that allowed them to become self-sufficient. So it's not going to be companies that get up there first. I mean, they're going to be the, the backbone that supports it. I mean, there was there were several companies that basically tried to foot the bill for the pilgrims and the other settlers to come across the pond to America. And nearly all of them went bankrupt. Nearly all of them. Wow, I didn't know about that. And the one big one that survived several of those trips um, changed hands four or five times. Wow. Uh, Simply because they literally ran out of money to do what they needed to do. It is colonization, whether on the Earth or whether going to the moon or Mars or, heaven forbid, the moon to Jupiter, is an exceedingly 
absolutely incredibly huge investment. It requires long-term thinking on the order of which even even stock long-term stock investors don't plan that long. We're talking 25 years out they're investing for. Right. And There's only one class of not people. Usually done. There's only one class of people that ever invest for that length of time. Do you know who that is? No, what you're going to tell me. It's families. Oh, well, yes, true. Families is the only institution <laughs> on the planet. I was thinking, okay, what, what class of, of investors are going to like, what? Okay, financial, I'm, I'm you know, mm-hmm. I mean, Donald Trump, I, I'm sorry, but I don't think he has that many years left. No, 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 but, no, no. no. Uh, oh, his, like, hair wow. gonna, he, his hair won't let him last that long. I think his hair won't let him. Well, he'll still be there. Okay? His hair's already been to the 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 the, the dead guy thing. The, the what was what, the, the Undertaker? <laughs> Mortuary. Mortuary. Yeah, his hair's already been there and been involved. It's already there. <laughs> it's gonna be there long past the time he's been oh, yeah. into the. Yeah. Well, why do you think it survived this long with him right. underneath it? <laughs> It had to be involved, involved to survive. Anyway, getting on. Getting on. You don't want to get in trouble from him. Probably worse than the government. But you know, this article talks about, and we we put the the article. Did you put the link up for this article? It's mm-hmm. called uh, "Companies Vying to Turn Asteroids into oh, Filling I, Stations." I've done that. I'll do it again. Yeah. Um, the thing to remember is that the core point in this article is that while they're talking about creating filling stations in space, which I think is an awesome idea, take asteroids and create a way to use the water that's in those asteroids and convert that water into rocket fuel so that ships passing by can fill her up. That's a great idea. It's long overdue. However, you're going to need something for people to trade for that fuel. Space is a frontier. And I don't care what you may think. Um, Yes. Space is a frontier. And I don't care how many government presidents, prime ministers, czars, shahs, or whatever the heck they are, get on the pulpit and fume and fuss and shout and scream and bang on a pulpit about being able to control things in space, they ain't going to happen. I got to tell you, ain't going to happen. They might go after family. They might go after assets. They might go after resources of a company who manages a group of people in space, but the reality is it doesn't work. That kind of bullying doesn't work. And the governments just need to get on the stick and go with a flow. The United States did that in the mid-1800s by going with the flow and encouraging people to go west. We need a similar push by the international community to tell settlers to go to go out, to go outer space. The little ramifications of this are profound because we have this foundation in the Outer Space Treaty that says states, first and foremost, 
cannot basically own anything in space. Okay, that's fine and well and good. That's as it should be. Not really own anything. It is to serve. It ain't there to make money. Second, states are responsible for the behavior of their citizens while in the space community. And I got to tell you, that one's an overstretch. That is an overstretch by. I mean. Quite a few miles. You know, one of the things that I have to, on the one hand, I laugh about, and on the other, I really cry about because we get United States citizens are going all over the world into other countries. Are they abiding by the general principles of this outer space treaty? Are they abiding by the rules and and so forth of the nation that they're visiting so that they don't harm that country, its citizens or its businesses? No. Well, you would hope they would. But Companies go into Afghanistan. They go into Iraq. They go into France. They go into Germany, and they're oh, no, profiteering. They're they're profiteering. They go companies go in to make money. Right. They well to reduce their bottom line. No, they go in to make money. A company goes somewhere to make money. I don't think they can make any much more. Certain companies. That honestly, isn't the point. No, no, no. You're you're overthinking it. You're overthinking it. Companies go into a market to make money. Period. Keep it simple. Otherwise, it gets way too complicated. Now, that having been said, there's nothing wrong with that. As long as they do it within the guidelines of the circumstances they find themselves in. Now, the Outer Space Treaty says, it does, it, it points out two things. One, that states must be held responsible for the activities of their citizens while they're in space. If they do something that violates the terms of the treaty, i.e., uh, not junking it up, being friendly to other people, helping other astronauts to get where they need to go. If they need a rescue, you can help them. Okay, general neighborly well, kind yeah, of you stuff. Would so you would do that anyway. Yeah, well, sure. I mean, being neighborly is a human thing to do. It's a neighborly thing. To do. Yeah. Now, but here's the thing. I know of many times United States citizens in their arrogance, travel to other countries and assume that they are bound by the laws of their own country and not the country they're in. I don't have to say anything about I know that they're doing that. (laughs) And I think you're idiots. And it's why most of the rest of the world hates Americans. One of the reasons, It's one of the reasons, sure. Arrogance, arrogance. But when somebody says they want to lobby Congress to be able to own the resources that they extract from an asteroid, I just sit back and I laugh. Why does that make a difference? Well, it makes them think they have the right. That Congress has the right to give them ownership of that asteroid? They don't. Well, first of all, Congress, by virtue of the 1967 treaty, can't cannot no. own nor assign ownership. No, I, I would have to say that. And, you know, if the government's listening now, you know, two and a half per second. Well, of course they're listening. <laughs> we're the entertainment group. <laughs> we're, oh, my God, we're, we're really dangerous. <laughs> CIA tunes into us just to get a good laugh. <laughs> so, 
the, the issue is that we have no real right. And the thing is, the problem is that we have a government now who seems to like to change things for their own better good. Well, sure. And they say, oh, well. And it's not just our government. Yeah, but I'm saying. When you look at people who are in power, they're in power to get more. More power. More power, more More money. money. Power is money. Money Money is is power, power. blah, 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 blah. But the bottom line is, when we talk (laughs) about, as citizens, we talk about the principal right to ownership. One of the first questions that comes up is, what are you going to own? Here's the first question. What are you going to own? And you're going, okay, you own, let's say you own an asteroid. What the heck do you plan? I mean, how can you prove that you own that? And as big as some asteroids are, they're big enough to put a small I, city on. And so you're going, like, okay, do uh, you take a picture of it? You know, like for insurance purposes? Here's the story. Here's the story. I stole an asteroid. Okay? You ready for this? Okay. Guy walks up. Or guy flies by. He says, oh, wait a minute. You're not supposed to be on this asteroid. This isn't the asteroid the government gave you. What do you mean this ain't the asteroid the government gave me? I got my paperwork right here. Digital format, straight from Congress. Guy looks at him and says, oh, no, I see your transmission was scrambled. See that last digit there on the end? That's not a six. That's an eight. Your asteroid's 50,000 miles the other way. <laughs> See what you get for not using a laser digital transmitter? <laughs> All right. And see, that's what a revenuer might do. Oh, sure. He's going to come out. He's going to say, your documentation is false or it's outdated or it took too long to get here or, or you don't have was, a paint slip. Or that particular uh, government agency is no longer in. in right. Yeah. And they've changed the rules. So the idea of having Earth government, whether U.S., French, Spanish, I don't care, and heaven forbid we let any of the Arab countries in on this. Oh, my God. Don't even want to go there. But um, just, just the very basic key principle is Earth governments do not have the right to issue principles of ownership or to assign rights of ownership because they don't own it in the first place. This was the same argument made by many of the native tribes in this country when the white wind moved in. And what do we say about that? Well, you know, we we came, we took it, we we kept it. We show them the next hold of the right. We show them the next hold of the right. So we can't do this again. I agree. Because, you know, once you set a precedent of saying, okay, we can own property on, on you know, on the moon or, or on Mars or wherever, you've opened up a massive sticky wicket. Mm-hmm. When ownership takes, when you take possession of, of a piece of land, you're willing to buy for it. And that means war. Yep. And that's what we a frontier to, is. We have got to leave our war here. No, 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 no. But there's no, other see, issues. Yeah, issues. We, but war saying, is going to follow us no matter what. Yeah. 
who we are. We are a feisty, argumentative creature. We will find some. If it is an ownership, we're going to fight over the liquor. <laughs> Look at Prohibition. Look what it did. Where's the rum? Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Where's the rum? My rum's better than your rum? What rum? You ain't got no rum. What do you mean I ain't got no rum? It was right here. Oh, shit. Somebody took it. That's my rum. Yeah, prove it. What, you got every molecule stamped with your name on it? You see what I'm saying? Well, okay, actually, that can that can come to pass in time. That could. <laughs> um, they do stamp. The uh, They do do different um, chemical combinations, or combinations in explosives. They do mark them, tag them with specific That way they know where they came from. They know where they came from so that they can track them mm-hmm. and control them, things like that. Drugs have similar things that yeah. they can do. So, you know, there are ways to do that. And I think that's the thing that we need to look at. But one of the things that I think would make better sense, instead of owning the asteroid, we own the result of our mining operation. If we look at religion, religion talks about the fruit of your labor. I thought we were going to talk religion. No, we're not talking religion specifically. I'm talking a phrase taken from religion that refers to what a man owns. It talks about the fruit of your labor. Okay? Okay, but then... So if you cultivate land, you don't necessarily own the land. You own the crop you grew from it. Well, that seems fair. You brought the water in. Yeah. You fertilized it. Yes. You pissed on it, you pooped on it, you marked it like a cat or a dog. Okay? You have marked your territory, and you own your crop. You do not own the land. Right. But here comes... Here is, but now that brings up the next legal issue. Okay? If I have the right to own the result of my efforts on that asteroid, and I do well, not own the asteroid. Well, that, that's that's what I'm getting at. I do not own the asteroid. Who's to say somebody can come in right after me and pick up where I left off? Not a thing. Well, here's the problem, though. I mean, if you're talking about titanium, something really expensive, um, and you're saying that okay, if, if there is mining that that asteroid's their job, and mining titanium their job. That means they can, that the fruit of their labor would be titanium. Right. They'd be freaking rich if they could get it home. Assuming they could get it to a market. Yes. Now, that market doesn't have to be on Earth. Well, no, but there's no market anywhere else yet. Not yet, but by the time, look, the reality is, before you're going to put, here's the thing. Got to be a market before. I want to, I want to make a couple of very clear points here. Number one. There is no robotic technology today that could operate on an asteroid in the dust vacuum environment that could successfully mine and process or to generate any metal that could then be manufactured into a finished product. does not yet exist. Any 
robots today, any robotics today. That's an Armageddon movie. Any robotics today has to be supervised, especially the more complex the operations, the more That's complex. The the That's who I was thinking of. Yeah. For what? <laughs> be the badass on the on, on the asteroid. Well, he would be good, but I think Sean Connery did it best. Mm. Sean Connery does almost everything he did. Well, yeah, he did. <laughs> that he did. So, but but anyway. So, our, so my first point is, is that robotics is not developed to a point that it can do that level of mining and manu, man, mining or processing and manufacturing to such a degree as to to generate some sort of workable finished product that is sellable to a market. Doesn't exist and isn't likely to exist until we live in space for a few years. Yeah, we need to make it work when we're there. When we're because there. we won't know the things that we need to go through. And so this is what I've been trying to get across to people I've been talking to is, sure. you're not going to put robots in space first. No. You might get rovers up there like Curiosity and Spirit. They they can do what they can do. But they, we need to be But they there. have severe yeah. limits. Sure. They're, they're not... A thinking, loving person. Well, there are when you when you look at the dis, the timetable time that it takes for a signal to come back to Earth from the surface of Mars. So by then, it's moved on. It is potentially moved. Otherwise, it's sitting there waiting for your answer, which could take as as much as a couple hours. And who knows what might happen in that two hours? Exactly, it might get stomped on by a great, big green Martian elephant. Yeah, who knows? Pink polka dots and everything. A furry tentacled Cthulhu. It looks like a cat. Yeah. We got that on With Facebook. Furry octopus tentacles. That just, just man, sick. that just ruins the idea of a warm fuzzy. Sick and strong. <laughs> I think you guys come up with some Facebook. Yeah. Okay. But yeah, here's anyway. the thing. So <laughs> my point being that you're going to have to have people up there to begin with. Yeah. Because only people are going to be able to do all the operations Private necessary to get that. on the spot. Right. Decision the ability making. to make decisions. Yep. The ability to assess the ore mm -hmm. with discerning vision and, and training and, and so forth. Experience. Um, experience. Mm -hmm. the, the ability to learn as you go. Again, when we look at the migration things where people went to new lands, to Australia, to the New World, and from yeah, from the colonies some going of our west. From Australia. Yeah, we learned a lot of lessons. Yeah, and don't mess with the with the dingoes either. They take your bunnies back. They take your bunnies. Yeah. <laughs> they eat your bunnies. So. <laughs> So we learn lessons about, you know, uh, what we should and should not do. And, and right. And I believe. Areas. And I believe that existing legislation supports the idea that people doing a service own the fruit of their labors. That's mm -hmm. established, well established in many countries on the planet. Mm -hmm. And as a result. If you mine the ore, 
or your company pays for the people to mine the ore, and they follow the 67 Space Treaty, and they deliver the ore back to Earth. Well, we can't have some kind of limitation on how much how much time these miners are going to be there. Why? Because it's up to them. Because there's a freaky amount of money that they're making. But who says they're going to make money? Well, if they... Again, and this is another thing. This is a whole other concept. Getting okay. it here is a whole other concept. Getting it here and marketing it is a whole other concept. True. Yeah. But that's handled by the corporation. Well, see, this is it. You've got... Uh, you got what? Come on. Corporations uh, that I've seen. I'm thinking all of them. Well, well maybe I am, but... They're big and heavy, and they're not just dinosaurs. They are dinosaurs that eat you alive. Yeah. But see, I believe... They will eat you alive. They will eat you alive. And the corporations that get their foot into space are going to be just like the sci-fi models of corporations. They are political organizations. Remember aliens. Yeah. They are organizations all in search of the worship of the almighty dollar, peso, yen, whatever the heck it is. And it's all about money. It's all about power. But here's the thing. When the pilgrims colonized this country, they came from a place that was just plain bad. Between the potato famine, between the slumlords, between the king doing stuff he shouldn't have done against the people. Mm-hmm. Uh, jobs weren't going well. Businesses weren't doing well. There were just plain too many people. And are we not facing some of that in the same thing today? We are ripe for a new diaspora, just like the pilgrims precipitated here. Let's go! Yeah, right. You don't want to go. No, I don't want to go. Yeah. But the I point being, though. the point being, though, give me the bullets. Yeah. The point <laughs> being that the legality of owning land on the moon, uh-huh. I think, is irrelevant. A new model of ownership needs to come into play. You're looking at a frontier, and that frontier does need to be governed, but it needs to be governed by the people in that frontier. Earth and all of its nations here cannot govern a frontier. Doesn't know how. Didn't know how in the mid 1800s. Didn't know how in the mid 1600s. Did and England did not know how to do it for Australia either. They no. do not know how to govern a frontier no. because well. things on the frontier change fast. We think our technology is moving fast now. Heaven forbid thinking about how things on the moon are going to change in the matter of 10 years as they learn to live and work in low gravity. Well, They will have tech in 10 years that we will not even have conceived of. That's a different amount to think about. And they will also have probably come up with ways of handling situations between people that will be very different from what we are doing now. We must remember that space is a frontier, and we cannot hope to govern it the same way that we govern 
the landlubbers here on earth. That form of government will not work in a frontier. Number one, they can't enforce anything unless you've got ties here on earth. And those who go on a one-way trip to the moon or Mars or uh, Ganymede or Titan, they will not have any ties left here any more than the pilgrims had ties back in Europe, any more than the homesteaders who went to Australia had ties back in, in England, any more than those who went west had ties back in the eastern colonies. When they left, they took everything with them. And I have no doubt that when those people move out into, the, into orbit and beyond orbit to the moon and Mars and the moons of Jupiter, they're not going to have anything here for a government to exercise leverage. There's not going to be anything there for the government to do. Now, having said that, government is going to start scrambling to make things so that they do have leverage, but it's just not going to work. We're talking about a diaspora. We're talking about a major migration within the next 50 years. We are on the precipice of this, and... You cannot legislate something that is going to be that powerful. Just not going to happen, folks. You can try all you want, but it's going to end up going nowhere. Fast train to nowhere, as the song went. And on that note, <laughs> I'll just remind you that anybody trying to do legislation like that is a lawyer to first. And what does a lawyer go after first? Money. Money and assets. Well, I trust just make them. sure that if you're going to go to the moon, make sure you take all your assets with you. Yeah. And cover your assets. When Mars Inspiration <laughs> and uh, some of the other programs that are that are beginning to to get rolling, continue to talk about the one-way trip, mm. the one-way ticket, there will be no coming back to Earth. You spend six six months, you spend a year, you spend two years getting to Mars and trying to come back, your body will have acclimated to that environment. Coming back to Earth is going to be a painful process. Painful to the max. It may not be worth trying. Hmm. And this is something I don't think people are realizing. No. I really don't think they're realizing this. This is not something we're that's not going to be easy to overcome. We're not going to start trap people. No, we're not. And so we're there are a lot of issues. Yeah, there are so many issues that go into the fact that this is a frontier. One-way tickets are one-way tickets. They will not be coming back. They will not have resources here on Earth to be adjudicated through government. There will be no way to enforce the government's desires on people on a settlement on the moon or on Mars or on the moons of Jupiter. Just not going to happen. It's not practical to even try. These people are going to be far more hardy, far more productive than we are, braver, more obnoxious. Well, yeah, that's what it takes. I mean, think about the American West. It's a, it's a good model for what a frontier is like. Uh, yeah, whippersnappers coming in town. Oh, yeah. It is a frontier that has to coalesce on its own. Yeah. We no, cannot... no sending the sheriff in. Yeah. 
No Bruce Willis. I'm the savior. I admire these people who consider these things, but they're still basing on a principle that says you're going to be taking resources from asteroids or from the moon, and you're going to be sending it back to Earth. Not going to happen. It's unrealistic. The capital investment alone is beyond the capability of any group well, of people the, on this the planet. Besides that, what I wanted to say about this particular thing is that, you know, what they're mining and what they're they're growing and, you know, the, the white water that they're talking about and the polar caps of the moon. Yeah. I'm sorry, that's going to be used for the people who live there. Yeah. They're not going to be sending it back home. What value is there? in mining titanium on an asteroid, shipping it by way of the moon back to Earth, only to turn around and have it processed and sent back up to the Earth as some product made out of titanium. That makes it even ten times, that makes it a hundred times more expensive right. than it needs to be. I'm thinking, I'm thinking that. No. So, you know, get off of that rock. <laughs> Of thinking. There is a belief that I am formulating slowly that suggests that we need to start thinking in terms of a frontier. That the economic model that we expected to use on the moon and on Mars is not going to work. The idea that people need to get their ownership papers from Earth is foolhardy. Because Earth will have no influence up there. They will have no influence on anybody associated with these people. Second, that we need to plan for the movement of people into space, not robots, because robots cannot do what we need done. We are depending on robots that, by comparison, uh, share the capabilities of a two-year-old with all of the attention span issues that goes with it and the technology and cost and dependencies that go with it. We need people who can make decisions on the fly, who can adjust their uh, trajectory with what they find. Also, they're current understanding yes. of what works here on Earth doesn't going to work there. So that means they need to be open to the idea of changing their the way they're going to do things. Absolutely. On that note, we wish these guys, Lewicki and his cohorts, go, go, go spend your money on the lawyers. See how far you get. But I think you're barking up the wrong tree, guys. Seriously, I think you're barking up the wrong tree. And then on that bark... They don't even have a tree there. No? No. Not on the moon. No. But I have to admit, in all of the things that I'm seeing, in the news, I'm starting to see a trend in the change of thinking. This individual, Mr. Lewicki is already talking about, instead of bringing this water back to Earth, sell it to ships coming by. It makes better sense. It builds the economy in place instead of trying to extend Earth's economy outward, which doesn't work. 
Every time the United States tries to extend its economy outside the borders, it's always bit of any ass. Either through nationalizations of the other countries or of thievery, bribery, corruption, all the other crap. So, we're going to call it. It's the end of the night. We wish you well. I need to do some announcements. Okay. I shall. Then I shall turn the microphone over to you, Joe. <laughs> Give them hell, girl. And remember us, folks, next week when we are here for the next space, talking about manned space flight, its news, activities. And if you're going to do something, folks, do big. be safe, be bad, but be good at it. This is K-Mod Radio, and since we apparently did not have the beginning of the show, I'm going to go backwards here. Our uh, two sponsors today is Comic and Media Expo. That's on October 17th through 19th, and the Mesa Convention Center. And for those who are still listening and also have the uh, chat up, you to click on the comicmediaexpo.com. This comicmediaexpo.com is the website. If you're on chat, just click on that link and go right to it. And uh, then we also have the Fear Farm or FearCon, which is going to be November 1st. Should I find it here for you? It's going to be November 1st through 1st and 2nd. Hmm. Okay, let's go backwards here. Anyway, we'll be out at, at, at the Comic Media Expo. Yours truly will be out there talking in several of the panels on authors. And obviously I'm an author, but I'm also a publisher. So I have two points of view. <laughs> And I use both points of view whenever possible. And then FearCon. FearCon is in... Hmm. Phoenix FearCon. That's why. Silly me. Arizona's largest independent horror event, November 1st and 2nd, will be out at Fear Farm, which is 99th Avenue in McDowell. Fear Farm is this really cool place out there. Uh, it's a farm that actually they open up and every year they have this newer and just, just uh, it's crazy out there. It's dark. It's dark. I know, it's still dark at that time. Out there in the middle of nowhere. That's scary. Anyway, we've got uh, Phoenix Fear Farm, and I'll get that link up here for you. And yes, we will be out there. We've got a table. Um, we'll be spinning the wheel to give some free stuff away. And November 1st and 2nd. So come, to, come by and say hi to us at WAD Media. And we will also have books out there to through uh, AZ Publishing. Yeah, there are really cool people out here for this one. So uh, we'll be doing talking to them 
uh, later in the month. Uh, just to talk about briefly about our shows coming up on KWOD Radio. On Wednesday the 1st, which is just Wednesday, we've got Garage FX Group. They are the ones that create some really cool um, things, uh, prosthesis and things like that for uh, cosplay and the characters that they make thereof. So <laughs> we're going to talk to them about all these really cool things that they make and where they get their ideas and, and how what kind of materials they use to do so. Um, starting 5.30 on this Wednesday, October 1st, right here at KWAT. Also on the 8th, oh, uh, just to let you know, also all these weeks, we at the tail end, we'll be talking to uh, Comic and Media Expo about things that they've got going on during the convention and what, you know, what special events they've got. And uh, as we're going into the convention coming up soon in four weeks or the three weeks three weeks oh my goodness people yeah three weeks and and by the way their uh, panel lists have already gone up and online so take a look at the website and find out not only who's going to be there but with the panels that they got going on here in Mesa uh, the 8th we've got we'll be talking to mainly Dave Beatty he is a look artist. Uh, really cool work for those who have done and have been over at the Pop Culture Paradise, which is also, hey, Marco, also one of our advertisers. Uh, he's been out there a couple times for different events. And Dave is just, you know, he's just really gifted artist out there. Seen his work and, and say he's considered one of the best in town. So, 5.30 on October 8th. And, then, of course, at the tail end, we'll be talking to Comic Media Expo again. Uh, then on the 15th, um, just three days before they're gone, there's, well, just two days before they're gone, uh, 5.30, they'll be coming in, and this show will be exclusive for them. It'll be all about, you know, things coming up. And, and if you missed the show uh, earlier, you know, the other previous times you'll be able to find out the latest of exactly what's going to happen and what you can see at the Comic Book Media Expo for that weekend. So that's on October 15th, 5.30, here at KWAD Radio. On October 22nd, 5.30, we'll be talking about, if we can't get anybody to talk to us, we'll be talking about it no matter what, FearCon. The FearCon episode, we'll talk about what's going on that weekend. And that will be before the show. I end up a week and a half before the actual con. Uh, there will also be uh, some other things going on. Wild Western Festival in Glendale will be 24th to the 26th. Uh, Zombie Walk 6 is 25th. And then on KWOD Radio on the 29th, we'll be live again for the Hey Girls show. And that's at the Ice House Tavern in Phoenix on uh Thomas, on Thomas Road, at the Ice Tavern, Ice House Tavern, where they have hockey pucks that try to hit us through the windows. It's pretty interesting. Always, always fun. And then, of course, we've got the uh, Kamikaze Expo in LA. It's going to be uh, our good friend T.M. Williams are going to be there. 
signing books and taking names. And then, of course, we'll be at FearCon November 1st and 2nd. Also, going backwards a little bit, Barnes & Noble's in uh, Glendale at the Metro Center is going to have their zombie day. And T.M. Williams will be signing her The Apocalypse on Dead Winter books, brand new to International Book. So we're excited to to congratulate her on that, on that and have you guys all clamor out there to say hello to her and find out about her books that she's got coming up. So with that, I'm going to say good night and adios. This is K-Wad Radio, and this is Patty Hellstrand signing out.